Well, very good evening uh, to everyone. Looks like I was able to thin the crowd a little bit, so uh, pretty excited. This will be easier. No, I'm just kidding. It is good to see everyone uh, back with us this evening. Uh, I want to say that I'm, I'm just extremely grateful. This morning I received uh, so much encouragement, and uh, that was very warming. I appreciate all the comments and uh, compliments that I received to this morning's lesson. I know it can't be that good, but uh, y'all made me feel like it was that good, so I'll take it. Uh, I'm, I'm happy with that. If you want to, go ahead and be uh, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Tonight we're going to be delving in uh, to more of God's Word. And, uh, and I hope and pray that, that tonight we can be encouraged in, uh, uh, through, through continuing in parts our study uh, from this morning of, of ready or not. As, uh, you know, here we are now to talk about this phrase, here I come. Uh, there's an obvious goal here, and that is to explore and, and remind ourselves uh, of what we are told in Scripture in regards to the coming of the Lord. And hopefully we will end with a little bit of a, of a different perspective uh, than what we began with. Uh, so Matthew chapter 24, we're first going to be looking at verses 36 through 39. Matthew 24, 36 through 39. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. 38 now, for as in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Do you see the obvious statement within the Scripture here? Jesus Christ speaking Himself, warning and preparing His followers uh, that there will indeed be a day that the Son of Man comes. And I love how this also ties in with what we uh, spoke about this morning, about being prepared for this. Notice the comparison to those in the days of Noah, those verses 37-39 through 39 there. Surely, being told that Noah was a preacher, these people would have heard uh, of, of the warning uh, that Noah received, yet because of disobedience, chose not to change. Then what? Well, this flood came. So what were these people unaware to, exactly? That moment, when the fountains of the great deep, bur- uh, of the great deep burst forth and the windows of heaven were opened. The flood. It would have been a, a miraculous interference to nature that would have caused this to be instantaneous. There would not have been time to think about it. And due to their displacency to obedience to God, they were caught up in the normal ongoing processes of life. It says here, marrying and being given in marriage. The second coming will be so surprising that people uh, will literally be going about with everyday activities. No warning, and just like the flood, when Jesus returns, uh, return comes, it will be so unknowable, unexpected, and no set of criteria can, can be interpreted to it, and no end of times can be calculated to this. This is what we're talking about, a full unawareness of when that is. We see the fact again uh, in Acts 1 verse 11 posted over here for your convenience when it phrases that uh, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up for you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have seen or watched him go into heaven. So once again, we see this phrase that I am coming. He is coming. Jesus is coming. 
Let's look now at verses 40 through 41, still in Matthew chapter 24. Verses 40 through 41. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. This is something that we uh, need to think about of what we can ex- expect at His coming. I want to think about this maybe in a different perspective. Have you ever been maybe talking to someone uh, and, and thinking they were listening? Maybe, hopefully they're in the same room as you. Maybe you got distracted, took your eyes away from that conversation, and when you look back up, they weren't there. You were talking to the wall. This has happened to me frequently. Uh, the wall and I have become very good friends thanks to having kids. You'll be talking to them one second, the next you look up, and they're gone. You're talking to yourself. This is kind of the idea. It's a funny idea. but It's kind of the idea I get, in a way, that when this time comes, it's going to be a similar concept. We're going to look up, and there's going to be those, uh, or some are going to look up, and there's going to be those that have gone have been swept away. So unlike the humorous nature of, of those moments, like such as with our kids, there's going to be this moment when the angels gather together the elect in his coming. And that is the way the Bible phrases it. Jesus is relating this here in these passages. There will be some who will look around at his coming and watch as others are swept away, as I just said. And that's incredibly hard to imagine. Looking now at verses 42 through 44. 42 through 44. Therefore... Stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have, would have not, would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Without a doubt, no one here would leave their home unlocked. Uh, especially in the in the circumstance that you knew a thief would be coming by, that's that's pretty silly, isn't it? We wouldn't leave our valuables strolled about uh, if we received a warning that, hey, I'll be back, uh, I'll be by at seven p.m. If you would just please leave your doors unlocked, that would be great, save me a lot of hassle. No, that's that's silly. The concept is is that we are going to be prepared for this no matter what. In that case, if a thief is coming, we're going to lock our house, we're going to lock up our valuables. Of course, we would. That's just uh, that's just something that's a uh, logic. Verses forty-five through fifty-one. Now, who then is uh, is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set them over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, 51, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now we will explore these passages as we as we further into our study this evening. But but first, for a few moments, I want to focus our thoughts on that that coming of Christ that we saw uh, particularly in the passages thirty six through thirty nine. And there is something I believe that we that we may not hold uh, in regard as as maybe men of old days did when Paul he spoke of the coming of Jesus. He says in Titus two thirteen that we should be waiting. For, quote, our blessed hope, the appearing of our great God. You know, we often will say that we look forward to the coming of Christ. 
Yet if our life was requested of us at this very moment, what would we say? Would we ask for more time? We talked about that concept this morning. Would we ask to be able to say goodbye to loved ones? Uh, that as well is a, is a surreal thought. And I oftentimes admittedly struggle to, to wrap my head around the mentality Paul had throughout his preaching. He was ready, eager to serve, and, and to be with his Lord. Do you remember what Paul told uh, the saints at Philippi? In Philippians 1, Philippians 1, 19... I can get there. Philippians 1.19. We'll be reading through verses, verse 25 here. <clears throat> for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all shame, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. There are two incredible points uh, to consider uh, here in this passage. One being that Paul was anxious, excited, and desiring to be with Christ. For it was far better, he says. His mentality and heart were fully convinced that that nothing would be better than to be with the Lord. And then alternatively, point number two. If there be a reason, what was that reason? His reason to live was for the cause of Christ in preaching and spreading the word and encouraging for others, encouragement for others. So I think we can learn a great deal from Paul in many aspects. I believe it will always be a struggle for us in this life to do anything that would that would hurt our family members or or leave any unfinished uh, business, so to speak. But the, the reality of things is our business is serving God. So what we do with this life should glorify God in our bodies and through our bodies and with those we come into contact with. And why do we serve with this mentality, Paul? Philippians 3.20, because our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we, what? We await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell me, do we have the same outlook as Paul does writing to those at Philippi? He speaks of awaiting the, Savior, the Savior's coming. This is a reference to that anticipation as well. Do we have the same attitude, attitude toward that? It's written again uh, in Hebrews 9 and posted for your convenience. Hebrews 9.28, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. There's that will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are what? Who are eagerly waiting for Him. How are they waiting for Him? Eagerly. This means with anticipation as well. With excitement. Prepared and welcoming His coming. You ever had to wait for something that you just couldn't stand to wait for anymore? Maybe bought something online or or special ordered it. Maybe you had to have something customized or maybe you just ordered a pizza. I don't know. But they always put those little tracking things online. I love those little tracking things. Tells me how much closer that pizza is. Gets me a little bit excited. I like to watch that. It's going to be here in one minute. Great. I'll be at the door. 
Well, is that the same manner that we think about the coming of Christ? I would hope that this is our mentality. It should be the same excitement that we live with every single day. Should Saints should not only believe in, but should be eager for this day. We spoke enough about the, this morning of the heart of preparation. And it's the day we get to, to start eternity with our God. So we don't need to allow concerns and worries and friendships to overtake what the Lord would have us prepare to do. You can prepare in accordance to what you accept is truly coming. Every first day of the week, we gather together partaking of the Lord's Supper. This do in remembrance of me. How often? Every first day of the week. In what manner? Reflecting upon ourselves, our thoughts, and upon that great sacrifice. And to what end? Proclaiming the Lord's death until when? Until He come. 1 Corinthians 11.26 We should keep these thoughts in our minds always. And just as we are diligent in daily life to take care of the things we need to take care of, we should be ever mindful that the Lord Jesus could appear at any moment. So are we diligent to watch for His coming? I want us to turn and look at Luke uh, chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, and we're going to be looking at verses 25 uh, and then following. <clears throat> Luke 21, 25, uh, we're going roughly through 36 here, so bear with me. Luke 21, 25, And there will be signs and sun and moon and stars and on earth, distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Verse 27, And when they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Verse 29, And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Verse 34 now. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. The warning Christ gives is to stay awake. Now, this doesn't mean go without physical sleep. This means to be alert and ready at all times. That heart of preparation. Before we lay our head down at night, maybe we need to clear our conscience with God. Before we rise to a busy day of distraction, we devote a little bit of thought and prayer to God. Stop every once in a while and think. Imagine what would be your response if you walked out your door and Jesus was there in the clouds. Don't let your last thoughts be distress and worry of unresolved matters with Him. Be ready and alert. Be awake for His coming. So how do we stay alert? How do we stay awake? By continual reliance on Him. Through study, through prayer, through our devotion to Him, and why? Why do we continue in steadfastness? Why should we continually prepare ourselves and and keep ourselves right? 
Well, because of a great sacrifice that was made so that we could have the opportunity to even be with the Lord when He comes. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 with me. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 14 here. Hebrews 10, 11 through 14. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified." We should remind ourselves and should remind ourselves and should keep this in the forefront of our minds, this truth. Look at verses 19 through 25 now. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through this curtain, that is, through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, verse 22 now, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our heart, of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What are the consequences if we don't look to things that way, if we don't believe those things? 26 through 31. For if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Appreciate your patience reading through that with me. When you have been warned by the words spoken by God, God breathed, inspired by God, the words carried by the Holy Spirit, the words written by the prophets and scribes according to His will, you should take heed to those things. Because all things God has said come to pass. Have and will. It's a simple matter of time. So let us also consider this time as best we can. And let's consider the manner in which our Lord is coming. The very reason I wanted to talk about preparation this morning was to help lead up to some thoughts that that will be considered revolving around the manner in which the Lord shall come. We're familiar with the phrase, as a thief in the night. And we talk about this from 2 Peter 3.10 and 1 Thessalonians 5.2. I apologize. There we go. 1 Thessalonians 5.2. Something to be noted, though, is both passages... While they talk about a thief in the night, they are not referring to the Lord coming as a thief in the night. They're referring to the day of the Lord. What does that mean? What am I talking about? The day of the Lord is coming as a thief in the night. The whole point is this. We don't know. We don't know when 
We don't know when, and he's not going to announce it in advance. The point is that it is unannounced. A moment uh, you will not know that the when is. Just like a thief comes unannounced. This is why we are to stay awake and alert. The Lord has announced that he is in fact coming, as we've plainly covered. And that he is in fact coming quickly or soon. Revelations 22:12. Behold, I am coming soon. And when we go to, to travel to see family, have you ever had a conversation that ended with, we'll see you soon? Uh, let me ask you something. When we say that, do we intend that, that we will see them a year out from that point? Or five years out from that point? Is that what we mean by, by soon? No. The general understanding of that phrase, I'll see you soon, is usually a short time, isn't it? That's how we understand that phrase. And the Lord Jesus is coming soon, a moment we won't know about until it's here. So I ask again, are you ready for that moment? The Lord has spoken, here I come. I heard this, uh, <clears throat> heard this story of this preacher who was talking about this very uh, type of sermon, talking about uh, Jesus coming. And as he was preaching, he, he, he got a little bit worked up into his preaching. And the first time he got to going and he said, I am coming. And then he got to preaching a little bit more, and he said, I am coming. And he kept getting louder. And by the third time, his hands went up into the air, and his foot came forward, and he said, I am coming. And that third time, he fell off the steps and into a man's lap on the front row there. And as he straightened up himself and stood up, he leaned over and apologized to the man. And the man said, that's okay. You warned me three times. <laughs> We have the warning, don't we? We have the warning that He's coming. There's no reason that we shouldn't be prepared for it, that we shouldn't be ready for that. With that warning, though, what do you suppose will happen to the one left at the mill? The one in the field? I tell you without comfort, but in certainty, that damnation awaits those who have not prepared or who have blatantly disregarded the Word of God. Let's look at 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3, verses uh, 1 through 5. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this first, knowing this first of all, That scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. What do you think will be these scoffers' reward? I want you to look at Matthew chapter 13 here. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be looking at verses 40 through 42. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of his kingdom, all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Look again, just a few verses down, 47 through 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery uh, fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. One more here, Matthew 25, 31. Matthew 25, 31 through 34. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by, blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of this world. So we see in all examples here, we see a separation. A separation of what? What is taking place? We're talking about a judgment taking place. Those who have been blessed by the Lord, those who are in the Lord, are going to be on one hand, and those who are outside of the Lord are going to be separated and put on the other hand. And what is the result of that separation? What is the result of their sin? What is the result of their scoffing? It's the fiery furnace. This is hell. This is damnation. And so where do we stand? You know, we spoke this morning of the question, ready or not. And I told you this, I hope uh, to end with a different perspective than what we began with, and to get you to now think of those words in your head from your own standpoint. Here I come, yourself, and for me, myself. Come to what? Come to the Lord. Here I come, Lord. There's a wonderful matter to consider when we think about coming to the Lord. And that is, we don't have to wonder or worry or doubt that He will be ready for us. All things are ready, come to the feast. And I want us, as we think about our stance with the Lord, to think about the words Jesus spoke in John 14, 1 through 2. John 14, 1 through 2. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Note first and foremost the comfort and encouragement Jesus bestows upon those present, as well as for us to consider. Let your hearts not be troubled. Believe. Verse number two, reassuring specifically at this point to the apostles that they will uh, that they will again be with the Lord, he tells them. There is plenty room for all who obey. In my father's house there are many rooms or mansions. We're talking about the abode of God, that which we cannot fathom. Preparing them for His departure of the world, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. In verse number 3, why? Let's look at it. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to Myself, that where I am, you may be also. There it is, folks. I will come again. And what's He coming for? He's coming for the saints. And where do they get to go? They get to go and be with Him in eternity everlasting. So He's going to take us to that, to that abode. Where He is, we will be also. Do you realize 
that you were invited to the house of the Lord? Take that in for a moment. Did you ever really sit and think about that, that you and I, merely specks of dust in this world, have been given an invitation? That all who would obey and all who would call upon His name, all that would receive with gratefulness and excitement and eagerness His wonderful invitation to come, get to come to His house in obedience. So what is our answer to that? Because it better be nothing less than here I come. The Lord's invitation has been extended this evening. It was extended this morning. It's going to be extended again. And Lord willing, every opportunity that we gather together, this invitation will be extended. Here I come, Lord, are exactly the words that we need to be thinking in our heads. Are we ready to meet our Lord? Have we prepared ourselves to meet our Lord? Because ready or not, He's coming. He's ready for us. Are we coming to Him? And so, if there be anyone here this evening who has obeyed the word of the Lord but has fallen away, once again, we are here for you. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. And we want to encourage you in any way that we can. But if there be any who has not obeyed that simple word of the Lord in obedience, and that is coming to Him in confession and repentance and baptism, and a willingness to serve Him, and as Paul said, an excitement, an eagerness, ready to serve Him at all times, and ready for His coming. Do you want to be ready for that time if it comes tonight? I hope you do. Now is your chance to correct those things if you need. Why not do so as we stand and as we sing?